Welcome to another episode of Hemp Barons. I'm Dan Humiston, and on today's show, Joy and her guests talk about the challenges of buying and selling hemp. Her guest is a commodity exchange pioneer and provides us with valuable comparisons and insights into what to expect in hemp's future. Let's join Joy's conversation with Julie Lerner from Pan Exchange. Well, hello, Miss Julie. Thank you so much for being with us on Hemp Barons today. Hi, Joy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited about this and really honored for the opportunity. Well, we're so happy to have you here. You're doing something very, very exciting in the hemp space in this emerging uh, and promising hemp economy, and you're doing it from a foundation of tremendous knowledge and experience. And I have all kinds, there are lots of folks out there doing certain exchanges, and some are doing them very well. A few, I would say, actually are doing them very well. And for the most part, folks aren't exactly entirely sure what they're doing here. That's what sets Pan Exchange, I think, apart from many of these other, uh, the vast majority uh, of these other uh, exchanges that are online. So first, Tell us a little bit about uh, what brought you to hemp, and then I want to talk about uh, the experience that Pan Exchange has before it got into hemp. But what? How did you come across this amazing, versatile, valuable plant? Arguably, the world's most versatile, valuable plant. Well, those two questions are actually intertwined for us. How how we got to hemp. So I, I have to kind of go into the history of the company. So my background is in physical commodity trading, predominantly with a company called Cargill. And I designed this, this institutional grade trading platform, which I can get into the details of what that means a little bit later. It's quite unique. But this Pan Exchange is 10 years old. We have a subsidiary in East Africa where we have over 30 different types of agricultural commodities, predominantly uh, grains and beans, uh, in Kenya and Uganda. And in the fourth quarter of 2017, we launched the same market structure solution in, in the 120 million ton specialty sand market here in the U.S. Now, that, that's a raw material required for the extraction of oil and gas in the U.S., Sand as a commodity was a very new concept at the time, and I'm, I'm proud to say that today we are the de facto benchmark price provider in that market and the only online trading platform. So leading up to your second question, when the farm bill was passed, we could not have been more excited. We thought, we've got this. We can, we can help bring efficiencies to this market, instant market access and price discovery and, and trade flow efficiencies quickly because we we know the points of pain and we know how to solve them we know what mature markets look like and how to get there so that's the that's the story in a nutshell it's international incredible experience and experience with cargill and but what how did you hear when we say uh you know the, the farm bill and I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the 2018 farm bill obviously because then it became the commodity right and that's where pan exchange comes in and your vast experience comes in but where did you first hear about it? Was it the news? Was it from a friend? How did hemp come into your field of awareness? Well, we're constantly looking for new markets here at Pan Exchange. We've looked at some some metals, for example, that required for electronic batteries. Uh, we were looking at some commodity markets in Asia, and we have a checklist of what makes a commodity. So uh, I don't want to stray too far off topic, but one example is everyone says, Julie, you've got to trade water. You've got to trade water. 
Well, water, uh, unfortunately, clean or dirty, is a problem. It's not a commodity. So we, we have our checklist of what is a viable commodity market. And I, I do credit my team for finding hemp. So they are constantly looking for new opportunities. They had their eye on the ball. They knew this farm bill was coming. And I have to give them credit because, uh, as you know, it passed just before Christmas of 2018, and we were the first to market with the suite of benchmark prices by January. We It, it hit all of our criteria. Uh, there are high points of pain that was highly fragmented and inefficient, and that that's where we saw points of pain and can help. Incredible. Great team. Uh, talk about on it and seeing it and having the vision and having uh, the infrastructure, obviously, and the resources um, and skills and talent in place to take advantage of it. Will you please go ahead and explain um, the trading platform to these folks and to us here at Hunt Barons um, that you've created? Sure, I'd love to. So we describe ourselves as the only institutional grade platform out there for several different reasons. First of all, you each each party has to be able to manage their counterparts and their credit risk in real time. But we had to figure a way to do that so, so that they can still get, once they get to the main trading page, trade anonymously without the high cost and regulatory issues of clearing and guaranteeing the trades. So we have that mechanism in place with a lot of granularity. So meaning you may like someone as a trading partner, as a counterpart, but you don't want to go hog wild. So you'll say you can cap your dollar exposure to them. Say, I, I want to trade with them, but but I don't want to be exposed more than half a million dollars, for example. Or you can say, yes, sure, I like these guys, but but only if it's on a prepayment basis. So prepayment terms are another way you can you can manage this. Um, you wouldn't, for example, say, I'm not comfortable giving them 30 days financing after the bill of lading date. So you get all of that set up and then you can trade anonymously. Every single field is negotiable because that's really what you need in physical. This is not a bulletin board. It's not an Alibaba. So, for, as you know, in this market, you know, for example, the quality is one of the key things that need to be negotiated. Percent CBD, the percent potency, or if it's CBG, for example, you can negotiate back and forth anonymously in real time. The, the delivery windows, you know, the reality is, is, is you have to get to the right deal. You may like a, an, a bit on the screen, but... But, you know, it's a little too soon. So you would counter and say, hey, can we do the same deal but five days later? And, you know, I'll actually sweeten my price for you if you give, if you do that for me. The delivery point. Here's another key issue that I think is a, a funny one and, and unique to hemp. We do not get involved in the transportation. Transportation is negotiable between the two parties in the sense of I'm a farmer and I'm selling it at my farm gate or I'm a buyer and I'm willing to go get it from you at the farm gate. And, and the types of delivery is also a negotiable field. Uh, that should be left to both buyer and seller. Um, so, so that leads to two, the other two pillars of, of what we are. That's the trading platform, which leads to the other two pillars. One, as we mentioned, was the benchmark price. And I'd love to state here, especially in a market as young as hemp, we understand the importance of accurate benchmark prices. Um, you know, people are you know, double mortgaging their home for farmland and investors are, you know, putting a lot at stake. So we need to have 
accurate spot prices so people can predict forward revenues. Anybody who's involved in our pricing network is either a producer, a processor, a trade house, or an end user. No brokers, no reporters are involved in those in, in compiling those prices. And, and then the third pillar of what we do, um, so interestingly, you know, obviously our technology was ready when the, when the farm bill passed, uh, but we didn't launch the trading platform or introduce it to the hemp market until August. Because the third pillar of what we do is to the best that we can bring market structure solutions. So we had to add a vetting process because nobody had credit history here and nobody knows the other counterpart. So we had to come up with a, a criteria for that. We had to indeed, and the, and the vast majority of my the vast majority of my questions will actually discuss this vetting process exactly because that's where, as you know, well know, I'm also the president of the Hemp Industries Association, executive vice president of the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, and vice president of the U.S. Hemp Authority. So really, and I've been in hemp for 30 years. So really leading this industry in the highest standards, the highest ethics, and with the most chance of success is obviously key here. And and so that's another reason why I wanted to have Pan Exchange on the show, because the vetting process is so important. And I think this is where many of the exchanges that are out there just fail, frankly, miserably. And I, I see it as a as a litigation landmine frankly, but, but worse than that is the, is the suffering uh, that folks go through in having to even suffer the consequences of, of damages that rise to the level of litigation. So please, let's go ahead and, and start with uh, the, the bones of that in terms of, and, and by that I mean vetting the, the company, vetting the uh, financial wherewithal to the extent you have that ability. And then we'll get into, of course, the quality. And, and then we'll talk about a very fascinating conversation that you and I uh, had at a at hemp conference recently. But let's go ahead and talk about that, that, that vetting process. Excellent. So we, we had to come up with a way that was consistent and fair. Um, and we decided that, that the best way we can do is say, send me your articles of incorporation or LLC, whichever you are, uh, send me your last two utility bills. And if they're not in the same name, give me the paper trail that connects the two entities. Um, and send me all of your licenses and registrations. And we now, we, we have a, a, an area where we upload them for your potential counterparts to view. Um, and the last one is just acknowledging that we, Pan Exchange, have the right to come to a site visit at any time. Because we were hearing these horror stories of, of people who were extremely well-funded and had an empty warehouse, for example, um, or an empty facility with no processing equipment is on the buy side and things like that. Um, so so we, we have that. We are now um, about to launch escrow services, too. So if people are interested in participating in that, there will be even further know-your-customer uh, documentation required for that. Um, we do the best that we can. In the end of the day, the, you know, you, you, no one can be responsible for someone else's behavior. Uh, but we think we've got the best system down to vet out the real players. Um, another thing, Joy, that, that what we look forward to in the coming year is the transparency of Pan Exchange incentivizes people to behave properly. We have the right to tell everyone, our entire member network, if you defaulted on the contract. 
And that's a pretty good incentive. You know, you're only as good as your last trade and we're going to let everybody know that you intentionally, now intentional default is different than a contract dispute, of course, but if someone's intentionally walking, we will let the others know. We're not standing for that. You know, going to be a great segue, although I want to ask you one more question into that that quality uh, assurance or, or the quality vetting that you're able to, and then how you predict that changing over time based on how all commodities are traded at a time. And the question I wanted to ask you was, could you cut out just for a moment there, you said that you were about to offer escrow services. Is that correct? Is that what you're preparing to do as well? Yes, it is. I, I, w- I was literally within a week or two, we should have everything uh, available. But we do have um, a pretty large U.S. bank that is willing to offer this facility for us. So very excited about that piece. That's fantastic. A real one, a real one-stop shop, so to speak, or a full-service firm in this respect. Really fantastic. So now let's talk about the vetting process for the quality itself. Uh, you know, for example, in the grain, um, and I noticed on your website, and I'll be so excited to have you add it there, grain is, of course, one of the major markets for hemp. Um, and we, there, we talk about some fiber and things like that in herds, but, but not grain on that site. And, and yet I know you're, you're very, very entrenched in, of course, the global grain market with these other crops. But, um, so we have, Obviously, there are lots of uh, standard industry specifications around grain, not so much around fiber yet, but certainly around grain because the hemp food market has been well established and is uh, and is in full swing um, in many parts of the world. But of course, it's a lot more volatile in the extract market. Um, I call it extract. I notice on the website you say crude oil, distillate, isolate. Um, and uh, and so how do you go through verifying folks the quality of the commodities that they're trading on Pan Exchange? Well, how we do it today is uh, leads into I think where you want to end up that conversation we had. But what we do at Pan Exchange, the beauty of what we do is how flexible this platform can be and how we tailor it to each market we go into. So one of the things we had to do for hemp, which Personal, on a personal note, disappointing, but I'm happy to provide it to the industry. We had to disable automatic matching. For example, a, um, a seller likes the bid they're seeing, but the buyer does not want an automatic match until they see the COA. So we had to provide this facility where you can load the COA and you can see the buyer can see the COA and then agree to the other terms or negotiate the other terms. We'll get to it, I know, but that's not how world market commodities trade you trade on the actual specification so meaning if you say if you say i have a 10 percent cbd biomass you better deliver 10 percent cbd or better so that's that's how we address the quality is by the lab test today sometimes they'll, they'll still need samples if it's a completely new counterpart to them and and i think part of it too is uh, as in you're going to be trading on your word. And, and that was that very spirited conversation. Were we in Nashville, Miss Julie? Yes. Where were we? We were in Nashville. And uh, 
and you were adamant. It says, I know nobody trusts each other right now. I get that, but that's not how grain commodities or commodities work. You are, you, this is, you're, you're, you're asking for a product with a certain specification that better be the product that you get meeting those specifications when it gets delivered to your warehouse or your door or your factory. And that's how commodity trading goes. And yet here we are constantly exchanging these COAs right now. And so essentially what you predict is that this will become like all other crops and all other commodities. You want to go ahead and elaborate from there? Yes, it, and it needs to go in that direction. If you think about it, you cannot have a liquid cash market on Pan Exchange or any one of our competitors. You can't have a liquid cash market if you have to stop and look at lab tests first, and especially if you have to stop and wait three days and look for a sample. It needs to move to this level of trust to get the level of efficiency that you need. You know, it's it's an expensive predicament when you come to pan exchange because the the trucks that you bought didn't show up and you have to stop production and 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 then wait for the coa for this other stuff that's listed and available you need to be able to move instantaneously on product i think it's very important we start moving to that and the, and the transparency of what we do is one aspect that's going to help get us there the cream rises to the top right joy so over time, the players will be building a reputation as the most reliable. This guy's got good stuff and he's always on time. That matters. Your word is your bond um, in all commodity markets. And, and we will be moving towards that. But, you know, as you know, we're in a year of mayhem where we have a incredible amount of small relative to, to you know, the bulk grain market small producers and especially small buyers that that aren't known to anyone um and it's frustrating and it's time consuming to to get to that level of trust indeed and what a important part pan exchange is playing in all of that and now i'd like to ask you in our remaining time, trends that you're seeing now and some predictions that you that you have for the future, particularly for 2020 and then maybe for five years from now. What are some trends you're, you're seeing right now on Pan Exchange of interest, so to speak, the, the highlights or the ones that folks might find particularly fascinating? Well, you know, we just issued our monthly report just before Christmas. It's coming to light how much, how oversupplied the market is right now. As you know, so many people thought they would be selling biomass and ended up doing tolling splits. So it's not surprising to see far more interest on our platform now for to discuss distillate um, as opposed to biomass. So prices are coming down. We took a gamble in December. We're pretty nervous about putting putting that report out. But we, you know, as a commodity trader, don't I, I, don't tell me what the market is in terms of dollars. If you're a consumer products good business person, of course that number matters to you. But as a commodity person, I want to know what is actual supply and actual demand. And we ran three different scenarios on that. And any way you slice it, the actual physical product that's needed for the CBD market. Again, not smokable flour, but just for the products, the consumer products. It's a lot lower than most people thought. So we're going to have to work through that oversupply in the near future. I do want to plug, if I may, Miss Joy, Miss Joy, queen of the hemp market. I want to start more dialogue on the industrial side of the market because 
that's really exciting long term, but prices have to come down substantially to make that work. Absolutely, they do. I, I want to first ask you, and because boy, those my my favorite topics, and you know I love CBD. I'm the regulatory officer and industry liaison for Elixinol, which has CBD hemp CBD products in in 50 countries. And I also own a hemp grain processing facility, and I also do the training for hemp technologies, which built the first permanent hempcrete homes in the U.S. So grain and fiber, those really are also the trillion-dollar industries, whereas CBD and hemp extracts are the billion-dollar industries. And uh, and also that's where the biggest you know, planetary healing will come from, of course, is uh, once we're able to feed those paper, textile, human and animal nutrition, building materials, biocomposites, industrial sealants and coatings, uh, supercapacitors, energy fuel storage, nanotechnology, somebody stop me, markets. Uh, and that is absolutely um, where hemp is headed. But with regard to the report that you mentioned, my dear, is that a report that you make publicly available? Yes, it is. You can find, in fact, a year's worth you, for, for a limited time. Sounds cheesy, I know, but we are moving to a subscription model in the near future. Uh, but you can find every monthly report on our website. And how about you go ahead and tell us your website right now, because that's very valuable information. So I would get it while you can, folks, and then consider a subscription with Pan Exchange. But how can folks get to you right now? Absolutely. So it's panexchange.com, P-A-N-X-C-H-A-N-G-E.com. And you would go to the Hemp Market News and, and find all of the there. We've, we've also uh, started a survey system, informal surveys in these newsletters, too, that we, we would love people to participate in. Last month, we did it on uh, highest points of pain in lab testing, for example. And this month, we, we were t related to our report is uh, extraction amounts on the actual processing of biomass. So that's a, that's a fun piece that will continue. Excellent. Panxchange.com and go to Hemp Market News. Now let's talk about some your predictions, your predictions for 2020, which is going to be a weird, volatile year, and then maybe your predictions for five years from now. What do you what do you see happening in in the immediate future in these next 12 months? Yeah, so uh, I wish I could be more rosy, Joy. This is this is what the revolution looks like. We hey, this is this is the unfolding of the reemergence of a crop this versatile, and this is what it looks like, sister. There's no apologies for it. We're we're heading into the sunshine, but it, it's not all—it's not all roses, you know, as it unfolds. So go ahead and lay it on us. All right, we are oversupplied for the CBD market, so that's going to be painful, and that's what we're going to be dealing mostly with in in the near future. I want to give some stats here, just to put some perspective on the hemp market. Because we, we did talk about bulk grains and we did talk about the industrial side of this market. But let's, let's really put that in perspective. If you were to take biomass at $8 a pound, that is the equivalent of $16,000 per ton. $16,000 per ton. So, all right, hold that. Corn and wheat, let's talk about that, right? So, corn. Uh, is trading at $136 a ton and wheat at $178 a ton. Those are prices for industrial uses, like corn, and I'm including feed as part of the industrial uses. 
that is obviously, so that is where we're going for the industrial side of the market. And also, here's, here's something that's mind-boggling to me. When we load corn and wheat out of the U.S. Gulf, it's in 60,000-ton Panamax vessels. We believe if you take 218 or so million pounds that, that, came, that was harvested this year, 218 uh, million pounds of biomass, that equates to less than two transactions, less than two vessels of corn or wheat leaving the United States. So I, I hope that's meaningful to some people because everyone got into hemp as the panacea to the, to, to the woes that we have in the, in the U.S. agricultural market. And it can be, and I am bullish on that, but it's going to bifurcate in two directions. One will be specialty, which I put CBD in, and the other will, will be much lower dollar value, much higher volume crop in the long run. And, and you know, I only see, and, and it's painful, and there are going to be farmers, unfortunately, and that's where my heart breaks the most, um, of course, is for, is for farmers who had big dollar signs, you know, in their, in their eyes and pie in the sky and all, all of those types of things. But having said that, this is the pain that will cause the pivot into grain and fiber. And when folks ask me, as they do all the time, I speak all over North America and, and other parts of the world, you know, how can we prepare? What can we do? And I say, prepare to pivot. If you are growing for extract this year, then please grow a part of an acre with some grow some grain and grow some fiber for some variety trials on your land and be prepared to pivot into these other markets and into these other types and varieties of hemp. And, you know, and I just think that's, that's what's coming in. And it's going to be, I think, this type of pain um, that will, that will ha have farmers do it because they're not going to abandon hemp. The feds have just opened up the pathway for us. So hemp is not going to be abandoned. Everyone knows about the promise and potential of hemp. And believe me, we hadn't, didn't start this movement, you know, 30 years ago or 35 years ago, um, so that uh, over extract, hemp extract hit us all like a ton of bricks about six years ago. We have been educating and inspiring our legislators and our, our regulators uh, for all of these decades based on those industrial purposes and the fact that the hemp seed can feed the entire world. It is a superfood that needs a super cape, the highest digestible form of protein in the entire plant and animal kingdom. Uh, and that we can serve all of these industrial markets with this superior biomass. The most valuable biocellulose on the planet is in that plant. While hemp looks like flax or canaf while it's growing and other fiber crops, on the microscopic level, it is very, very different. The cellulosic makeup of hemp fiber is incredibly unique and allows uh, for the, in, in applications to the creation of superior products to be able to blend things with hemp is to increase the value and the performance in almost every industry uh, that we see and on the nano scale of course which we didn't have technology to see 25 or 35 years ago we couldn't see things on at the nanometer level a nanometer of course is a billionth of a meter it's just the most infinitesimal unit of measurement we can come up with and as it turns out on the nano scale 
Hemp cellulose has tensile strength and surface area second only to graphite whiskers and carbon nanotubes, uh, which are, of course, cost prohibitive for research and development alone. Um, so we're really talking, when we talk about nanotechnology, aerospace uh, industries, energy fuel supercapacitors, you know, we they began to discover back in 2014 that hemp cellulose was superior to graphene in many applications. So, you know, it's coming and, and this pain might just be a part of it. So as you deliver that news, I don't want you to have a terribly heavy heart other than to send your highest vibrations to the farmers um, who are probably going to take the largest brunt. Well, and I'm, I appreciate that, Joy, so much. I'm 100% behind you on all of that. Um, if I may just add to that, and if there's any way that, that we at Pan Exchange can help drive, drive this discussion, we want to help out. Think about how the CBD market exploded because it was demand-driven. And so to add to everything that you just said, let, can we start talking about um, how do we get the industrial side of this market to be demand-driven? Because I really think that it's not discussed as much as it should be because the price point is just its too far away right now. W what are the economics of that? Where does hemp need to be? No, it's because of, it's be it's because of the infrastructure. So the, here's the reason why, because that's all we talked about for years. And it's amazing how CBD, and again, as much as I love CBD, I take 120 milligrams of CBD every day and slather it on my body. Having said that, it takes up all the air in the room. <laughs> it takes over every conversation. And even when you're sitting there in a seminar saying, I promise I'm not going to talk about CBD in this presentation, you end up talking about CBD, whether as a comparative or because somebody asked a question about it. So yes, it's everywhere. And as I often say uh, in these shows, listen, we've been talking about the in incredible environmental and industrial and, and human and animal nutrition benefits and educating folks on hemp for years and years. And many people are listening and that's why those markets do exist as small as they are. Of course, we see Manitoba Harvest and Nutiva on the shelf and we have for a few years now, thanks to Hemp History Week's uh, marketing effort, which is the annual campaign from the Hemp Industries Association. But, but the thing is, people are inspired to be healthy and treat their bodies in a more healthy way over time with their diet. People are inspired to do things that are better for the planet. And as manufacturers start to get educated, they're going to be inspired to see, oh, adding hemp into my existing operations is actually going to create a better product and a bigger market for me. But when CBD came along and people had a pain in their shoulder or they couldn't sleep through the night, and now all of a sudden, immediately, not long-term because I added hemp seed into my food today, not long-term because I, I, I'm making the planet a better place. Immediately, their shoulder felt better. Immediately, they got a good night's sleep. Now that's moving things along and talking. And for those reasons, especially, I'm so greatly uh, appreciative of CBD because it created this awareness um, in a huge, impactful way about what hemp is and it's giving us that opportunity. And to your point, it's also generating the revenue to create the infrastructure and generating the interest in hemp to create the infrastructure for these other markets. And why you're not seeing it so much 
um, is because the infrastructure, obviously, to create these other industrial products, it's actually generally more expensive than these extraction operations. And I'm not talking about the huge, you know, corporate extracting, you know, impressive slash scary phenomenal extraction facilities. I'm talking about the mom and pop ones or the small ones that just started popping up everywhere. That infrastructure was less expensive, you know, to process the plant material, the flowering tops and leaves into extracts versus that long, strong stock, which we love that it's the longest, strongest stock in the world after it's harvested and processed. Harvesting and processing it is, you know, tough. It's the longest, strongest stock in the world. So new equipment, new infrastructure, and it's coming on every single level. And, and Julie Lerner, I'm just so happy to have you on the show today. Believe me when I tell you, you are going to be coming back on uh, if you will have us because uh, you're just a wealth of information and insight and your perspective, I think, is extremely valuable uh, to the building of the hemp economy and this, all of the emerging opportunities that are happening because of the world's most versatile, valuable plant. Julie, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have to thank you right back, Joy. I mean, it's, it's, it, you are the queen of hemp, and um, it's so exciting to talk to someone else who's passionate about, about doing what we can to help this market grow up. Uh, and any time, I would love it. Thank you so much. Oh, yay. My pleasure, my honor. There are lots of queens of hemp out there, and uh, thank you so much, Miss Julie. And I know we'll be in touch soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.